You are tuning in to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. After you finish listening to it, why not take a moment to listen to one of the most recent episodes? I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Welcome, everybody. This is Tommy's Outdoors number four. And my guest today, Kerry Cyclist, Donaka Clifford. How are you doing, mate? Hi, Tommy. How are you? Very well, very well. Thanks for being here with us today. My pleasure, and thanks very much for the invite. You're very welcome. Um, when we were starting that podcast uh, a few months ago, you were like a, a, almost the first guy. I thought like, yeah, I need to have a Donaka on uh, <laughs> to obviously talk about cycling. Um, so we're going to talk about cycling. But before we get to that, you have a book out. Yeah, it's a book on Kerry Cycling that's been out since the 20th of March. Awesome. I have a copy right here. Thanks again. A personal for... signed copy, just for you. Um, you. So, yeah, it's 31 Routes. Uh, it took us about 18 months. It's co-written with a good buddy of mine called David Elton. Uh, and so we hope it does well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then tell us, is it uh, is it available online in bookshops? It's How... available online through Kerry Cycling, Amazon.com and in all good bookshops as well. Of course, if, yes. if they don't have it, it's, it's not, not a good book. It's not a good book. No, it's, it's not worth visiting. Definitely not. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Uh, we're going to talk about that book a little bit more um, later on in, in a podcast. Um, but first, I just want to start from the question that we always uh, I'm almost bound to ask. How is how did it start at cycling and the, in, in the whole you know, oh, adventure a, with cycling? It's a big question. Me. Can I take you back to the early 90s to uh, a young back as far as you a want. young child I was born in 1983 so about 1995 a local cycling club started and uh, up until that point uh, I would have played basketball football but I wouldn't really have enjoyed them mm-hmm. uh, and I was overweight and asthmatic yeah. okay so I had two uncles. You, you would, you would, you, it's like a like on the, the previous uh, episode we had Mike. Actually, I listened and, to that. And, and, and he also I said, could, oh, I was overweight. It's I could relate story. a lot to, you wouldn't, to Mike. You wouldn't say you were yeah. overweight looking at you now. You know, like, uh, well, it's still actually a constant struggle. And that's why I, I keep cycling. It's one of the main reasons I cycle, just to, to keep my weight down, to be honest. It's a, mm. a very good way of doing it. Um, so uh, my two uncles cycled and before I started cycling I idolised them I remember sitting on the kitchen counter one day playing with Lego mm-hmm. and my uncle came in and said I'm after cycling 25 miles mm-hmm. and uh, I just thought that was absolutely incredible so yeah. as soon as I got the opportunity at the age of 12 my parents said I could join the cycling club mm-hmm. and that's when I started and that's the way it's been ever since awesome and do you have a, any any um break uh because what i notice is a lot of people say uh cyclists say like okay i was cycling as a kid you know i had a i had a bike and then i was you know you know like 10 20 years and haven't done anything and then i kind of you know start cycling back when i was in my well, 30s, actually 40s. Oh, is it was it for you like all the time cycling has been pretty much a constant in my life throughout that time now the mileage has varied but if mm-hmm. you'd look back on all the months of my life i would have cycled to some degree there was a time when I had uh, was in college and I had a weekend job. So you can imagine for four years, the time for cycling was pretty limited. Mm-hmm. But I would have still got in maybe two, three hours per week at that time. Um, I also would have cycled to work if I could. Yeah. So other than kind of the practicalities of life or, or work stresses or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it hasn't kept me from cycling. Actually, the last few winters, I've tended to tail back to cycling a good bit. Mm-hmm. Um just because I find that it suits me better to to kind of go with the, the good weather and the season that's there. Of course. Um, so I just kind of taper it back to do maybe two or three hours per week. And this time of year now in March, uh, mm-hmm. it's ramping up again to something a bit more significant. Yeah. So so this is like, like obviously, it's much nicer to cycle yes. when you have a nice... Bright one. evenings, especially. Yeah, yeah. And this is actually one question that I, that I have uh, for you, because... I think the one of the part of, of cycling is actually to, to, to be actually being able to cycle, so being health mm. healthy. And uh, the weather often is, is like you know rain and weather. Do you have any any um, tricks or or tips to kind of stay healthy while? Because obviously sometimes you're just getting soaking wet. And you know before we started that podcast, we were we were talking like oh yesterday was like a terrible day. We just get yeah, and I was out in the rain, actually. Um, 
you know, I've heard of 100% waterproof clothing, you know, it doesn't exist. Um, Sean Kelly had a saying, how do you know if it's wet enough, whether to go training or not? The answer is to go training and then to decide when you come back. Yeah. Um, But truth be told, there is times when I just don't feel like cycling, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when the weather's too bad. So in that case, uh, I just go for a walk or a jog or something like that. It can be quite hard to cycle in the rain. You have reduced visibility, especially if you're cycling in a group. The glasses get all fogged up and the glasses get all rain. So, you know, you kind of have to make a call as to to how safety issues. Safety is a concern. Yeah, like we we went out as part of a group. I'm a member of a cycling club here in Tralee, the chain Mm -hmm. gang. We went out yesterday evening and we had a route planned. Mm -hmm. Um, and we started to get fierce, heavy thunder shower, thunder showers. Mm-hmm. So we just said, look, we we'll went about 15 kilometers out the road and back again just to, yeah. on a safe road. You know, there's no point uh, yeah, going on yeah. the bad roads. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was remember um, like two years ago, I think I was I was thinking to say, like, you know, like a part of training is to, you know, keep healthy and, you know, not not get cold and so on. And then I was on my way back, you know, like a, like a temperature drop, there was like a hailstones mm. or whatever. And then that very day I got like, you know, sick. I was like two weeks out of, off of my training. Yeah, well, uh, you know, for most weather conditions, I've been out through the years. I've been out in thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. I've been out in icy conditions mm-hmm. in which I've fallen off. Mm-hmm. I was out in uh, lightning storms. <laughs> So, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm getting a little bit more sensible, I guess. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. That's, uh, and have you been racing? Did you have any, any... Yeah, so from underage, I started racing, but I have to admit I was never good enough to enjoy racing. It was always mm-hmm. an effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose I would have been a little bit overweight and I would never have trained to the intensity that I should have to be successful at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did win an under-16 race uh in my local village which i was very proud of wow. and actually it was there's a funny story behind it because i got dropped in the race yes. uh, and i was started in the handicap group which meant i was ahead of uh, other people with three mm-hmm. or four more people i got dropped from that group mm-hmm. the bunch caught us i managed to stay with the bunch we passed out the people in front and then i sprinted for the win so <laughs> it's not too many people that can say they um they got dropped like that and still won a race Oh, that's a ta- that's a tactic, right? That's a, that's a I'm afraid it wasn't a tactic. No, tactic. Well, at least you can say like, it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. It was necessity, and uh, <laughs> so I kind of didn't race then for a good few years up until maybe. Um, well, I raced under sixteen, then I stopped, mm-hmm. and I raced again three or four years ago, just for uh, a period of one or two years. And uh, I got third in a local race again uh, for the A4 category, oh. uh, but. It's probably just fair to say they were kind of flukes. I'm and, not and sure just it peaks. wasn't. There's no, no such just thing as peaks. flukes. There's no such thing as fluke. You know, you work hard for that. I'm peaks sure. in form. And actually, when I came third in that race a couple of years ago, uh, it's amazing how aggression can play a part because mm-hmm. someone cut me off with about a kilometer before the start and I very nearly fell off. Mm-hmm. So I gritted my teeth and I mm-hmm. said, I'm sprinting for the line with every single thing I got. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, other than that, I think I would have been just happy to freewheel in. Yeah. It's amazing. It's yeah. attitude and mood. Yeah. And you know? com- competitive. Yeah. Well, I was passing yeah. that guy out, whatever about anything else. But then I realized I passed a few more people out as well. <laughs> you were kind of like a tunnel vision to this yeah, guy. Yeah. I gritted my teeth. And my family were on the line and they said, my God, the face on, on me when I was passing, you know, it was uh, I had a very angry look. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. That's a, I, I think that's a, that's a common thing yeah. also with runners. Like, you know, mm. I remember I, I read the book um, about the guy. He was he was uh, running on the track like 400 meters. And it was uh, he was describing similar situation like yourself. But uh, at the end of, of that, there was like him and the other guy and he was up front and the other guy was chasing him. And as he was chasing him, he kind of knew that the guy is closing distance on him and he felt like he's he's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And that guy was closing in. So he almost knew that, OK, I'm, th- this is it. I'm not going to win that anymore. This guy, mm. this guy going to catch me. And when the guy was a little bit closer, he kind of turned and looked at the guy that he's closing and he keep keep going. And after that. He noticed the guy stopped, you know, he, he stopped closing the gap. Mm-hmm. And then after race, they were talking and it turned out that when he saw his face, 
Mm. You know, he he just something you know broken. He's something like, primal. Yeah, he's like I I can't I can't catch yeah. him anymore. Like you know, this this look of determination and the, so that's a that's a that's a quite. So you you had a you had a quite a quite a few uh, races and so so you're kind of familiar with that environment of of competitive racing. I think I think based on my experience training down through the years, I'd probably have a good racing brain. Mm-hmm. It's fair to say, but I wouldn't do the training or you know yeah. required to be successful at the long term consistency is always something that i struggle with you know some days i'm in the mood to go for an easy cycle or maybe some weeks at a time that's all i'm interested in doing more times then you know you'd really be interested in in hitting the road hard and uh for some reason yeah that's a that's a that's a lot of uh work and on the schedule and and to 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 race competitively and you know you need to control your diet and your sleep the sleeping pattern and all that yeah you really have to be in the mood for it yeah, you know. I know, I know. But there's a lot more aspects to cycling than racing. Oh yeah, well, of course. You know? But but just 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 a few few questions around around sure. racing. Would 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 you be, uh, would you see yourself as a I don't know a director sportive kind of thing or or manager of the team or or anything like that kind of be in a <sighs> racing environment or is it like completely not interest you to be in this competitive. Because even today I was I was listening to the podcast about you know what director sportive does and, and it was the guy who was like a former racer he doesn't really race anymore mm. but he's enjoying kind of aspect of strategizing actually the the responsibilities of a director sportive are huge I don't think it's something that would necessarily be suited to my skills and uh, any time I raced it was with individual goals mm-hmm. so even though I would have been part of a cycling club or whatever. I mightn't have been training well enough with them to be right, right, right. solid unit to so, have a team so, goal. It was so an you individual. Were never the guy who will bury himself for the team. No, and I think if I was up the categories or if I was a better racer in the A three, A two, A one, it's then when mm-hmm. team tactics plays a part. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's actually consistent. What I heard that mm. you know on the, on, the, on 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 lower categories, it's, it's like people are cycling for themselves. It's every man for themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like exactly what you said that mm. on the higher level, there's then more tactic plays part and you know what races we do have in the year and 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 all that okay so it's 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 more of a leisurely endeavor really to to, to look at the at the moment scene, definitely the at the moment what does it mean do you have anything in your mind specifically? um well who knows you know maybe next year uh i'm part of a club now and actually there's quite a competitive spirit within the club so you know mm-hmm. sometimes i think maybe i'll give it a go and go back racing again for a year um not this year Mm-hmm. but uh who knows but i could associate with um your previous podcast guest largely because he said a lot of it was about headspace when mm-hmm. you're cycling and the chance to zone out mm-hmm. and uh i associate with that very much as well and that's a huge yeah. reason why i go cycling it's the opportunity to get away from everything get into nature get yeah. away from distractions everything and it's it's literally meditative it is i it agreed is with him hugely and this is very much in line with the, with the, with that podcast which mm. is talked about outdoors and being out there on the on the on the fresh air and get the breathing and and exactly um this is whether it's a rowing or cycling when you're out on the road for a number of hours mm-hmm. you know and people are like what you're thinking about for you know five hours mm. nothing everything um, and nothing and, and everything. everything in between yeah yeah exactly so that so that so I totally understand that and and have you have you dipped your toes in the, in the other disciplines of cycling? Is it road because you mainly road cycling, right? Mainly, mainly road, road cycling. Um, I've cycled once in Pelihura mountain biking uh-huh. and really loved it. And I'm ashamed to say I haven't been back in about the past four years. Uh-huh. It's been on the agenda; it just hasn't happened. So that's definitely yeah. something on the to do. We gotta do it, man. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I, I, a, it's kind of like it's, I was I was in toll in Ballyhura m- maybe five times maybe six times and it was like a year or two years in between mm. so i think i was never more than three times in a year um but yeah that's that's a that's a, that's a great place and and you have everything you know you have a mountain and you have a small trees and big trees and dark dark uh woods and all that but i actually enjoyed the the change of scenery from road cycling uh, the discipline of uh trying to stay vertical on on challenging mm-hmm. parts of it you know and technical pieces and yeah. uh, uh you know i enjoy that for a change because mm-hmm. the road if you 
focus on it too much can be monotonous sometimes in terms of skills because you're sitting a bike mm-hmm. and you pedal mm-hmm. uh, and you know there's lots of people with tight hamstrings and maybe weak mm-hmm. cores and stuff because mm-hmm. they're mostly working from the upper body down ex- with the exception of a bit of cardiovascular yeah. work you know so yeah. i think it's healthy to to mix it up too yeah absolutely absolutely and have you tried any other disciplines like uh like a cyclocross or anything like no that? i haven't no. Uh, i don't think the facilities are there for for that down in Kerry. i'm not sure of uh, yeah. any cyclocross activity i know there's a lot of it up in leinster and dublin in particular oh, really? i think so okay, okay. Uh, over the winter, over the winter yeah i think this, the cyclocross season is mostly winter right yeah 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 uh it's something i'd love to try but i don't i don't to be honest i don't i just just it looks to me like you're falling off the bike constantly it's part of the fun but it's, it's all in fields <laughs> and mud so i know i know that's interesting because really i uh i started cycling from from mountain biking mm. and that was where i where i started and actually as a as a kid i was i was doing mostly uh mountain biking and then uh, uh because of the of, of the martial arts and all that i had a surgery mm. of the knee and then my my doctor said like you know cycling is a is a really good um rehab rehab for you Mm-hmm. So I, uh, y- you know, obviously I didn't want to go back straight to, to mountain biking because, you know, uh, when you're negotiating terrain and all the obstacles, mm-hmm. you're, you're actually, you know, hitting your knee. So, so the all it was a knee surgery. So the whole idea was to kind of rehab and do this gentle move like you have on the bike. Um, so I put a, like a slick tires on my mountain bike mm-hmm. and I started doing that. And I said, like, damn, it's it's so much more accessible. So f- for me, starting with 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 road cycling was about accessibility because for a mountain bike, in reality, in most cases, for most people, you have to put the bike on the car, drive somewhere when you have a trail, and then you know you do this, you rip it, and you go back and so on. While with the road cycling, just come back from work and your bike is there waiting for Leave you. Leave the house and go. Yeah, yeah. So it was so much more accessible. So I get to that and, and then I suppose that uh, meditative, if that's the word, nature mm. of, of, of cycling is, is just fantastic because it kind of resets your brain. And, and I suppose a lot of people can identify with that. When you're coming back from the office, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're, your body is... Uh, bored i suppose is the world word why why your brain is like oh my god what's going on and then it's kind of you're doing the opposite you're gonna kind of, kind of tire your body and get your brain um you know settled and big time i think i came across some article recently online where office space staff are doing all these crazy events now mm-hmm. uh, all these tough mothers and and all these type of things you know yeah i think it's just uh Something to think about when you're at work. Yeah, I know, I know. This, 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 this events they kind of like mm. a spraying water to create to do mud, <laughs> so people can kind yeah. of get into that, and that's funny. Listen, you you touch on something that I really want to ask you about, and that is element of uh, health and and fitness. And you mentioned uh, core, weak core, that kind of um, might be an issue when you're cycling and and so on. So. Um, kind of similar, like on, on, on my previous podcast, I kind of, uh, was talking about, uh, how running is really not a good idea when you want to lose body fat. And, um, so I don't want to come across as a guy who's, you know, inviting guests and then bashing the sport or something, Mm. especially that I'm, that I'm cycling myself, but it is to me feeling like, um, again cycling to get fit and i know that you said that you started cycling to get fit and to lose your body weight but i feel like starting to get cycling to get fit is not a great idea because to me you need to put a lot of work in the gym to be fit enough to then go cycling so so for example uh, core you need to have a strong core to to kind of stabilize to to put a to get a proper stability to your pelvis and to, to your to your uh, midsection and pelvis so then you can put the power through your legs and through the pedals mm. and that demand is it's not something you're going to train on the bike you actually need to go into the gym you need to train your your core you need to you need to get fit first before you get into the bike and and and, and put a performance so is is that the case or is it like oh that's only when you actually try to really perform on the bike well yeah i'd actually disagree with a statement where mm-hmm. you said it's kind of not accessible without gym work because mm-hmm. i've seen people literally off the couch and onto the bike and i've mm-hmm. seen them make large improvements in terms of mm-hmm. cardiovascular 
health. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're looking at cycling as uh, as, uh, as a way to get fit on its own, mm-hmm. that that probably will present challenges if you're doing significant amount of hours per week. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I definitely noticed myself that I have mm-hmm. tight hamstrings. Mm-hmm. I have a weak core unless I try and do something about it with specific exercises during yeah. the week. Yeah. And I can also notice a lot of tension in the back and neck area, which... Uh, I think is just relating to the cycling posture, but it's yes. also relating to a good bike fit, and that's mm-hmm. something we might touch on as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have a mentoring program in the cycling club at the moment where we mm-hmm. literally are bringing beginners out onto the road mm-hmm. and we're seeing them make huge improvements week to week. Yeah. So it depends to what level of uh, performance you're looking to talk about. If it's just to get yeah. out in the fresh air and get a little bit healthy, yeah and you know there's a social aspect to the club as well so i'm seeing people benefit from that if you're looking to advance to um something a little bit more uh professional or Mm -hmm. or do 10 plus hours a week on the Mm -hmm. bike or something like that you mentioned competitive nature yes yeah well i see people uh doing lots of effort on the bike and nothing else and Mm -hmm. for some people they manage yeah more people that might expose some weaknesses they have in their posture mm-hmm. are uh, very similar to to what i saw recently on television about running about mm-hmm. going into the sport mm-hmm. uh, getting huge benefits early on mm-hmm. and thinking you can continue and just make those gains every week mm-hmm. uh, and i think they're keeping physios across the country going at the moment yes yes and that's i i totally and i suppose you made you made the excellent point and this is this is to to qualify that yeah if if you really go out and just you know off the couch and kind of start moving and start going mm. that's absolutely true and and also something i have to agree that the cardiovascular aspect is no doubt is, is cycling is, is beneficial and and in fairness i was more um referring to kind of skeletal and muscular element of it where where posture Exactly, because in in the fern, in fairness, the posture on a bike, especially on the road bike, is mm. is just just terrible for your spine. Yeah. And, so and if you're doing that for many hours. So I myself have neck issues and tight hamstrings, like I say, and mm-hmm. sometimes knee issues, which I need help mm-hmm. uh, from physio with specific exercises and stuff. So I'm not sure is that related to cycling or mm-hmm. uh, office work, but both yeah. probably don't help. You know. Yeah. 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 That they they. Actually, t- uh, tight, tight uh, neck and and shoulders. Mm. That's that's something again that uh, that a uh, physio I'm working with uh, notice that. And even if you're if you're looking, I'm I'm looking now at some structured training program protocols, and uh, you know, to coaches like, are you are your shoulders are hugging your ears, mm. right? Because you tend to tense your yes. your upper body, especially with you know if you're chasing somebody or mm-hmm. whatever, and you don't feel that. Uh, and I remember, you know, like uh, doing quite intense workout. And after that workout, my my legs were okay, but kind of my neck was hurting. And like, what happened? Right? I was I was using my legs. Why my neck yeah. is hurting? What's wrong with it's that? It's quite amazing, actually, because uh, you know most of the work is obviously done by the legs. But you mm-hmm. know, you're tensing on the handlebars. You're taking the vibration of the road up through the bike mm-hmm. and the handlebars. So. It, uh, you shouldn't be doing that, right? You should, no. you should. You should be relaxed, and your upper body should be relaxed, and all that. Yeah, it, it depends how um, how much you're chasing someone, I guess, or it depends, yeah, you know, yeah, on the day. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that we're gonna touch on the bike fit, so I think it's a it's a good moment to just just go into the, uh, the bike yeah. fit and how important that is. Well, I think if you're starting out cycling, and if you buy a bike from the shop and you take it out on the road, if you're doing half an hour you might feel that you're fine. It's when you go into the longer spins that you'll notice the niggles. Um, I used to always notice myself years ago that when I do the longer spins, uh, like we were talking about my neck, my shoulders, everything would just be completely tense. So mm-hmm. um, in the cycling club I'm with at the moment, uh, we do kind of, we give advice on bike fit. And there's mm-hmm. also certain outlets in the county, and I'm sure nationwide, that mm-hmm. would offer bike fits as well. A lot of bike shops would do mm-hmm. it, but there's also specialist outfits. Yeah. So you have you have different things to consider. You have three contact points on the bike: your uh, your feet, your backside, and your hands. Mm-hmm. So you need to make sure they're in um, relevant proportion, proportionality, mm-hmm. so that you're relatively comfortable. Yeah, and yeah. not stretching or straining any limb. Yeah, that's 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 super important. And I suppose again, your point that you know, depending how how much you're doing mm-hmm. cycling, because 
repetitive nature and prolonged nature you, you you can you can really screw yourself over if you're doing something if you're if, if your knees are out of alignment or or something is happening and you know everybody you can... everybody's unique so if you look at two people cycling on the bike beside each other one person might be completely satisfied with a, a kind of a bent over mm-hmm. uh, posture down on the drops i myself prefer a more relaxed geometry something mm-hmm. a little bit more upright it just seems to suit me better so um just be careful on who you're taking advice from yes absolutely um, absolutely and i suppose that's that's the message uh, people get a proper bike fit from people who knows what they're doing because mm-hmm. like you mentioned sometimes the bike shops they try to do the good job but this is kind of like oh yeah you know mm-hmm. they go by some textbook rules and yeah. they're not really suitable for 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 all the people and and i think i uh I went through uh, at least two bike fits and one of them was um, kind of thing that takes your uh, measurement of your limbs and, you know, you say like, okay, am I, am I, do I want to have this bike for racing or leisure or whatever or something in between? Mm. And they put it in a computer program and it crunched the numbers and it goes like, okay, your stem should be this length and your saddle should be this, this far from your, from your uh, handlebars and so on and so on. Uh, so I got that done, that done, and uh, it was like, yeah, okay, there was, yeah, okay, and then I went for for uh, another um, bike fit uh, shop, and that was like hour and a half session when I actually seen how it should be done, when they mm-hmm. put all the markers on your body and put the, like these this laser things that are, that are pointing at you, yes, yeah. and then you're cycling and then film how you're cycling mm-hmm. and, and then showing you like look how your knee is tracking, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit this and here and there and so on, and then you they adjust and film you again and then adjust and film you again. It's like okay, this is it, and. I suppose another element is like you, this is something I need to do really, you know, every year or every two years because you they they're gonna do certain you know setup of your bike and then you kind of get used to that position and then you know if you're after performance you know mm-hmm. we can get lower on the handlebars and so on so so that's that's constantly changing. Yeah, and even this week myself, I was fiddling around with my saddle. Um, just you know, I've never actually gone for one of those professional bike fits. Yeah. I think it's yeah. something I should do. Um, so I've always kind of done it by feel, mm. trial and error over the years. Um, but, you know, it, it to me, it never felt like an exact science because, you know, everyone's different, like I said. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a guy in, in, in Killarney. It's called Professional Bike Fit. Correct, John Crowley. John yeah. Crowley. Uh, we, I, I might have him on the podcast uh, in, in, you know, near future. I think we'll, you should. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he, he, he's done an excellent job. And, and, and also another element is the, the to, to get a proper saddle mm-hmm. because again you, you know you, you you might screw over your ability to reproduce so so yeah. <laughs> I, I i read a uh study done over um policeman who's who's on the bike and mm-hmm. postman mm-hmm. and something like 30 or 40 percent of them had a you know erectile dysfunction and all that because of, of lack of a proper bike yeah it's, you know I, I don't know have i ever been 100 percent happy with a saddle i don't know is it the nature of the sport or what um mm-hmm. i use ones now that are quite comfortable but mm-hmm. you know even still after a long cycle i can find myself mm-hmm. shifting around in it and like i said mm-hmm. this week i'm still adjusting with the position but mm-hmm. certainly you shouldn't be feeling too much discomfort um yeah you know and if if you are it's uh, there's alarm bells but uh, but then, then there is an element of discomfort like you know you're you're just your ass is sore after, yeah you know uh you know in first thousand kilometers in, mm. the, in the season it's it's gonna be something but um what you'd say when how to distinguish between you're uncomfortable because you're not used to sitting on a saddle and you're uncomfortable because there's something wrong is there is there any way to actually tell is it you just need to toughen up or based it... on experience if i find that i've been off the bike for a month or two for whatever reason and if i go back certainly the first couple of spins i'll find i have a sore backside for mm-hmm. for the duration of those spins yeah. um but there there's kind of red flags i mean if you're experiencing numbness mm-hmm. um or if you're experiencing pain mm-hmm. um pain more significant than just discomfort i mean if yeah. it's discomfort you kind of know yourself it's mm-hmm. uh, you have to judge it, but if you've numbness in the area or pain, particularly pain that's maybe traveling up the body a little bit into the lower abdomen, yeah, um, red yeah. flags, I guess, straight away. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then you need to look at what at, at your saddle and 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 width of the saddle compared to your sit bones and 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 so on. Correct, and you know if if it's uh, if you find yourself in that case, I'd really recommend a bike fish because um, yeah. those guys know what they're doing, and there's so many different types of saddles. I know of some shops that will allow you to take a couple of saddles home, try them, and uh, return whichever ones you don't. Yeah, use, I think know? it's the only way. Yeah, I think I think it's the only way, and and you know I'm. I was kind of like any saddle would suit me. It was okay, and then when when I was kind of become more aware of the mm. thing, like oh my god, none, you know, there's something wrong with everyone. Mm. So that's 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 a that's a uh, balance to be. But strong. you know, if you're if you're cycling for an hour or whatever at a time, uh, you probably won't find too much problems. But it's when you're on your fondo days or when you're doing five and six hours at a time, mm. it's a significant quite uh, the significant amount of time to be putting pressure on different parts of your body. So. Yeah. Uh, it's not good. Yeah, and especially there's this this nerve that goes in a, in a, in the middle of your of your uh, pelvis, and this mm-hmm. is this is the worst thing that you're. This is this is the one that causes erectile dysfunction, which which gets crushed. I think it's called the vas deferens, is it? Yeah, and probably uh, you're right. You're yeah, right. I think a lot of saddles, particularly these days, have cutouts and grooves in the middle for that mm-hmm. very reason. So, yeah. uh, shorts are also uh, another factor. Oh really? Yes. So, uh, it's one thing I found during the years that it's not worth buying cheap cycling shorts for that reason yeah. get yourself a good pair of cycling shorts mm-hmm. um so it's both the shorts and the saddle that contribute yeah. to anything comfort. you would recommend um actually it's very similar to saddles um it's kind of up to person individually it's not a case of just spending you could spend hundreds of euros on shorts literally mm. um there's nothing technically i can think of um but there are certain brands out there i know santini mm-hmm. uh, they can be quite expensive. Uh, it tends to be the more expensive ones, unfortunately. <laughs> um, however, there you will see when the shorts are advertised, there's various grades of padding on them. Yes. Some are for short to medium spins, more for long or endurance type spins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also, uh, myself, and I got good advice from people, if you're on a long day and if you find that you have discomfort after a period of time, two mm-hmm. pairs of shorts is something to consider. Yeah, for that reason as well, just an extra and kind of, bit of change protection. them in the middle of the spin. Uh, literally wear the two of them at the same time. Oh, really? Yes. Oh God, I mm. never heard about that. Mm. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And and the same same goes for the shoes, right? Because because cycling shoes is another like a huge huge topic that you know we can probably spend hours. Yeah, talking I could talk about. to you for an hour about cycling shoes, and it's quite funny because everyone. Practically everyone who's gotten them for the first time has fallen off with cycle, with the clip-in cycling shoes. I'm not <laughs> sure about your own experience. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, the, the shoes obviously clip into the pedals and when you're cycling them for the first time or two, you just completely forget you have them on. So you stop and you don't give yourself enough chance to clip out. So it's a simple an- mm-hmm. ankle action to the left or right mm-hmm. just to clip out. Uh, so you go straight over. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think you learn once. Um, and then you, or, you, you or, never or, forget or, or, or twice or, or, yeah yeah actually yeah. my own father-in-law broke his hand um with that same accident so oh, you know it's quite significant enough um but cycling shoes they're again various different types they're mountain bike specific yeah which um have a little groove in the, the ball of the foot for the mountain bike that lets you walk as you well can as walk cycle. more very easily because the cleat is kind of hidden inside the sole so, correct so, so, so they're spd pedals they're SPD, called yeah. uh, i myself use the the look pedal so they have a bigger kind of surface area on mm-hmm. the cleats mm-hmm. uh, and i find them quite good i've used them for years yeah. um, when i bought a bike about 10 years ago they came with a different brand of pedal uh, and i tried them out and it's amazing the difference made it was a time pedal and it was just a different cleat system mm-hmm. and i couldn't just get comfortable with them i used to have knee pain yeah. So uh, I I don't think that's brand specific. It's just uh, probably the particulars of, yeah. of what I'm used yeah. to myself. Yeah. yeah. And to your point about you know falling over when you first tried you you know I, it's like sometimes so so stupid because I remember I kind of unclipped the uh, the the left leg and kind of lean over to the right. Yes. It's like no wrong side. Boom. Right. And well, if you're lucky, you'll do it when no one's around. <laughs> yeah. And you're un- if you're unlucky, you're in the middle of, you know, like a big a traffic light or something. Like traffic that, light yeah. And you have a little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It happens. You know, I see it. I see it quite regularly still. But um, uh, the benefits of the cycling shoes is that you can you feel more attached to the bike and mm. you're more efficient. You're more efficient. You can pull your, on the pedals as well. 
you can So then you get this quadrant of pedaling. It anything. forces you to pedal with the ball of your foot as well. And mm-hmm. I notice a lot of beginners tend to pedal sometimes with the middle of their foot or indeed the heel. The and heel, I, yeah. I find that to under, hard to understand because yeah. anytime I've tried that, even with a flat pedal on a bike, I, I've just found it gives me uh, great pain up the back yeah. of the leg. So it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure would they be aware of that. And actually, my dad always said that when they were young, they were always told to p- to pedal with their heels. So really, yeah, for some oh, reason, give the give the heel to the bike is the expression they were really they were told. Yeah. Oh God, I, I, so so when you have the cycling shoes, it forces you to yeah. pedal with the most yeah, effective absolutely. part and of your foot. And I think the, that the biggest thing is that then you can also pull. You can correct, kind of especially use, uphill. Exactly. So you can use your hamstring and, and, and even give a little bit of a rest to your to your quads when you're kind of I notice that I can easily increase the cadence when I kind of more focus on the on the on the on the pool movement. Really? Yeah. Mm. That's how it works for me. Like if if you if I need to like increase the cadence start I'm pulling more and just kind of goes mm-hmm. goes like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's 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 uh, um one thing I, I I couldn't kind of uh, force myself is to use uh, clipping pedals on a mountain mountain bike, and I suppose it's like I especially on the mountain bike I always would li- like to have this um, kind of knowing that I can kind of jump off the bike when I'm in some you know sketchy situation. Uh, yeah. And 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 that especially at Balihura that we mentioned a few times so it's like yeah it's no way I would kind of cycle that route actually the one time I did Ballyhura I showed up with the clip in pedals yeah and the guys were just saying what are you doing Uh, funny enough I survived yeah and my four accidents that day were nothing to do with the fact I clipped in yeah but um no definitely i think flat pedal is uh yeah. would be a lot easier yeah yeah and you know in, in in fact that in most cases they're they're on clip when you're when you're falling over anyway mm. but i suppose like to me is like this low speed uh things where you you know you know you're about to hit the rock or something and just like just jump in more naturally without kind of thinking about well, actually unclipping it's, both it's legs. very interesting you mentioned that because those the clip-in systems that are there at the moment uh, were introduced because of the efficiencies like we've spoke but they're also mm-hmm. introduced for safety so really? it was so easy to clip out because previously professional cyclists or, or a lot of racing bikes had those toe straps yes so you'd put your foot in and you'd pull the strap as tight as you could over your uh, over your toes and your feet so you literally were attached to the bike then. So if you had an accident, you you're stu- stuck to the bike. You were whether you attached. like it or not. You were still attached yes. to the bike. Yeah, I remember in in, in Ballyhura and was it was, was going downhill, and uh, the trail the next to the, you know close to the trail was like this big boulder, mm. and I just just knew I'm gonna hit that boulder. I hit <laughs> that boulder squared, and the, my bike stayed behind the boulder. I was kind of ejected over the boulder. It was like oh. Phew. So yeah. you know, in in that case, it 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 could end up pretty bad. Yes, it could end up pretty yes, bad. Yes, indeed. Listen, um, another thing um, I I need to ask you about is about connection between cycling and coffee. It's uh, it's it's all ep- about coffee. It's an epidemic, isn't it? I don't know. I just, one of the guys said, like, yeah, Tommy, it's all about coffee. It's all about coffee. It's a huge part of the What's cycling. Up with that? It's a huge part of the cycling culture, and it can't be normal coffee either. It has to be good coffee, you know. Yeah. Um, so, just even locally, uh, the coffee stop is always planned ahead in a cycle. So we'll have our cycle planned, and before we even leave, it's like, okay, where are we stopping for coffee? Yeah. So I think it's something people look forward to. Um, I think it's probably origins just relate to the fact that it's uh, stimulant and caffeine based and there's a good energy boost after having it. Um, So that's probably where it started. But uh, if you follow anyone on any professional cyclist on Twitter, you'll see half of their tweets are about coffee or some fancy coffee machine that they have. And actually coffee machines have a long history of sponsoring professional teams as well. Yeah, Trek Sagafredo. And Seiko as well uh, in the 90s. There you go. Are there any special, I don't know, rituals or anything related to cycling and coffee? Just get as much of it into as you can. All right. (laughs) To be honest, I'm, I'm not a fan of the coffee stops. It always feel to me like it takes me away from cycling I was like, come on i want, I want to go cycling and it's like no no we're gonna get to the coffee and all that well it, it depends what group you're going out with but um 
the more relaxed groups will tend to make an hour of it and it's a social thing and it's a chat yeah. and that's nice. Yeah. Uh, and it depends on the distance as well because if I'm doing a long cycle, I might want to stop for 10, 15 minutes and just get going again because, you know, yeah. it's, your body is telling you, okay, you've stopped. Now I'm going to begin the recuperation process. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to start relaxing and I'm not in the mood for exercise anymore. Yeah, it kind of gets you lazy. And that's a, a, a lesson I learned doing the Ring of Kerry years ago. Mm -hmm. Long stops was a bad idea. Yes, I totally, I totally agree. Mm. I totally agree that like, like exactly like you said, your body says like, all right, it's it's over. Mm. And then you're going out to the bike and kind of feel stiff and cold and all sorts of things. But I agree with you that especially when you're in a long cycle, uh, like I said, stop 15 minutes. Mm. And just gets, especially when it's, you know, miserable and raining and, 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 and wind and all that, which we have a lot in, in Ireland and in Kerry, that is a good idea. It's like a 10, 15 minutes and then you on your move. But it's a balance between wanting to stop for long enough of a break and making sure you stop to smell the roses as well. Because when I was younger, mm -hmm. the Ring of Kerry charity cyclist is uh, famous now. Everyone in the county seems yeah. to do it. Um we used to do it when we were younger quite, I won't say competitively because it's a charity mm. cycle, but I suppose mm. we thought we were more important than we were and we'd spend the day passing people out and we thought we were great. But <laughs> of it's, course. When, um, it's when we had done it for a couple of years that I remember stopping up on top of Kumakishta, I think halfway mm -hmm. around. And uh, I met an older guy there and uh, I said, my God, this view is amazing. I don't think I've ever stopped to mm -hmm enjoy it before and this was probably my third or fourth ring of Kerry so <laughs> actually I'll always remember that day because he said you know you have to stop and smell the roses too yeah yeah that's a that's a huge element mm. let's talk about the ring of Kerry mm. for for our listeners who might not know what what what's that the ring of Kerry is a charity cycle that runs on the first uh, Saturday in July every year I forget when the first year was but I think it was the early 80s maybe 84 83 something like that and a group of guys just literally said, we want to cycle the Ring of Kerry. Uh, we want to try and raise money mm -hmm. uh, for various charities. So like Ring of Kerry is a, is a route around uh, around Kerry, around one of the peninsulas. Evera Peninsula, correct. And it's 170 kilometers, starts in Killarney and finishes in Killarney. And uh, it's probably one of the most famous tourist drives uh, in the country even. I think it's mm. very famous. Um, so that event grew in popularity every year. Um, my first year was 97 when mm -hmm. I was 13. Wow. And if I remember rightly, I think there was about six or 700 people doing the event that year. Mm. Um, I remember wanting to do the event the previous year, but my parents said, no, you're too young. <laughs> okay. So I, I did it when I was 13 and uh, the event has just grown. In so just, 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 just to get, get the record straight, you'd done 170 kilometer cycle when you were 13. When I was 13 and when I had a belly. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, I'm not a naturally fit person at all. It was always an effort and always a struggle. Um, but actually cycling is probably the one thing for me that's kind of felt easy. And, you know, it's still hard, obviously, when you go out training and sometimes you're not in the mood and you make mm. yourself go. But mm. it's the one thing that keeps me fit uh, other than a bit of probably hiking or a bit of yoga or stretching mm -hmm. in, in the off season. Yeah. Um, but sorry, we're we're digressing back to the Ring of Kerry. Um, I know. So, feel free to you know. <laughs> it's all about it's all about that. So you know. So it's, it's grown in popularity every year, and it's amazing because people who don't cycle do this event. Yeah. And you know yourself talking at work around the office. People start talking oh, about the yeah. Ring of Kerry from February on. Are you, tra are you Have you started training? Absolutely. Are you doing it? It's it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. Even even if you're if you're cycling and it and it comes like may mm. something and you're cycling and you stop for like mm. coffee stop or mm. something the first question is are you doing ring of carry this year so it, it's quite a significant undertaking by people who organize it and i think um it's huge for economy i think as well it yeah. is yeah i think there's ten thousand people that's the uh, allocation for this year i'm not mm. too sure if they reached that in terms of sign on i mean they will um they probably will yeah um do they not like become victims of their own success because I think that a lot of people is is kind of are kind of not happy, especially in a, in a, in the recent years. Because it was like this 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 thing that many people were traditionally doing every year. This type of a year we're doing site, and then all of a sudden it becomes increasingly difficult to even get a place because they had to limit number of places available because of the uh, safety issues. 
So they can accommodate only so many cyclists. And then they started doing a lottery and prepaid to get in and place in the lottery. And then uh, the, all the issues that came with, you know, websites that were going down under the load because so many mm, people were trying. Yeah. And, and so do you feel like they reached like a critical mass and, and right now it's kind of working against them because a lot of people who are like showing up for years, they kind of like, all right, you know, we were doing that for, you know, 10 or whatever years. And now we have to kind of go into the lottery and it's not guaranteed that you Actually, can do it. Actually, I think they have reached their critical mass and probably two years ago, two, three years mm, ago. I, uh, I think it was upwards of 11, 12,000 at that stage. So they're definitely victims of their own success, but I don't think they would complain about that. No. Um, so they were the premier event on the Irish cycling leisure calendar for years that's no doubt um but since cycling has kind of taken off i don't know what would you say in the last eight nine years in the country mm -hmm. it seems that there's an event every single weekend now so when people are up in wicklow and dublin or, or up the rest of the country and they're trying to prioritize this event down in kerry which they might have difficulty getting accommodation for mm -hmm. because it's so popular and when there's so many events on uh in other parts of the country there's a tour of Connemara Clare Waterford yeah. every single where yeah. even in our own local towns and villages it seems every school has a fundraising event now Correct. and I know it's um, it's nice to see so they probably have reached a critical mass I don't think it's going to be a downward slope for mm -hmm. them I think they're probably just going to find their level yeah Um. so I think this year if it's 10,000 I think they'll still be able to maintain that uh, for the next, uh, yeah, for the foreseeable yeah, future. For sure. So, so your your point is that other other events are kind of feeding off it because because that kind of drew the attention to like, oh we can we can do that event and I know that the other one is uh, Ring of Bera, yes, which is another peninsula uh, in Kerry, south south from 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 the Ring of Kerry. Correct. Um, what's the name again of the peninsula? It's the Beira Peninsula. No, no, but the, the Ring of Kerry. One. The Evra The Evra, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's south of Evra. And a lot of people, I think last year, said like, okay, we, we can't get spot in the Ring of Kerry. going to go do Ring of Beira. Actually, and then the Ring of Beira was, was, you know, sold out as well. It was hard to get. I've, uh, well. I've heard of people refer to the Ring of Beira as the new Ring of Kerry. So oh, right. um, actually I did that last year and uh, the day was absolutely immaculate. So mm -hmm. I've signed up for it again this year. I've signed up for both actually. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, when it's such a nice day, people have rose-tinted goggles about the event and everything. Mm, but, mm. you know, I've done Ring of Kerry's down through the years where it's rained from start to finish. Yeah. And uh, I suppose that's the real test of, of an event. Can you get people coming back if, if, it, uh, if they have memories like that? Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, there's, there's that Ring of Beira is definitely a fantastic alternative. Or, you know, I, I necessarily wouldn't even think of it as an alternative. It, it might be something else you'd consider as well in doing both for people yeah. who would have the uh, fitness and uh, want the challenge of doing both. The Ring of Beira is shorter, um, but it, there's much more climbing. Yeah. And even when you're not on uh, climbs, categorized climbs, there's a lot of road that you'd consider dead. So your legs just kind of feel heavy, even when mm. it can look flat. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, you feel like actually, because the Ring of Kerry is quite achievable. Yeah. There's two climbs there. Um, you can save. I suppose there. This is this is like a mental mental obstacle. The distance, like oh my god, it's 170 kilometers. Yeah. But the truth is that if you're out cycling for like a couple of months, or like, mm. I mean, like not not 18, mm. but like you know four or five months before, yeah. with all the stops and all the social aspect. You know, if you dedicate a whole day for that, you can do that easily. Easily. And, you know, people do it in five hours and people do it in 10, 11, yeah. 12. So y yeah. you just pace yourself and you get around. Uh, and, you know, you can do that with the Ring of Bear as well. But uh, I personally, myself, I find that I've kind of done a significant m more of a challenge when I come home from the Ring of Bear. Yeah. That's actually an event that was on in the late 90s, early 2000s that I went to a couple of years in a row. I think it was organized by Kinmare Cycling Club at the time. Mm -hmm. And that event stopped for whatever reason, I forget. And I didn't go back and do the Ring of Bera from 2001, I think, up until 2014. Right. right. So uh, I don't know what I was doing by avoiding it because it's yeah. uh, the scenery down there is amazing. It's. An hour and a half away from Tralee, I guess, or even a good hour, maybe yeah. by car. So 
yeah it's definitely on my calendar uh this year and there is another uh, uh event so we we spoke about two peninsulas and there's another peninsula dingle peninsula we also have a dingle challenge mm -hmm. it's it's not that big of an event it's much smaller event but i think it it goes through uh Connor Pass, which is which is highest road pass in Ireland. Correct. So it's quite challenging climb. Mm -hmm. um, so so that's that, and there is also Ring of North Kerry. Correct. The cycle. Yeah. So um, have, have you any experience in any of those? Uh, well, I do. I've I've done uh, the Connor Pass quite a good few times. It would be uh, quite a regular loop for the local club here. I'd be quite familiar with it, and that's a hard day out on the bike. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, is it my own metabolism or skill set or whatever, but I've only so many matches to burn on mm -hmm. a cycle. So if I'm going out and if I'm cycling up the Connor Pass uh, after leaving Tralee, I find that a lot of my energy is gone for the day. I don't know, some people mm -hmm. after uh, mm -hmm. the descent and maybe a, a quick espresso or whatever, they're yeah. flying home again. Yeah, um, yeah. So it can I, be quite taxing. I have to pace myself and particularly when you're leaving Dingle, uh, heading out towards Lisbon, a lot of that is uh, is tough enough climb as well if you have heavy mm -hmm. legs. But yeah. the Dingle Peninsula is absolutely beautiful. Beyond Dingle, there is Slayhead. Yes. And even if you just drive to Dingle and cycle around the fifty kilometers of Slayhead, it's remarkable. Yes. Yes. It's amazing. So, so D Dingle is like a single point because you have a you have a mountains on on the north, I think. Mm -hmm. So when you want to do the whole whole Dingle Peninsula, you you kind of need to do kind of like a figure of eight. Mm -hmm. and and cross dingle twice because it's mm -hmm. the only place you can go when you try to loop the the peninsula and then loop around the sly head which is like a tip of the peninsula but for for 50 kilometer cycle in all of ireland i don't think there's any better value for money than sled i haven't that's found true. it yet for a 50k spin that's true that's mm. true so this is this is nice nice segue now because we we spoke about quite a few routes on mm. uh, uh cycling routes on uh, in Kerry. Ring of Berra uh, and uh, uh, Ring of Kerry and Dingle Peninsula and so on. And it just happens, like we mentioned at the beginning, that yes. you have a book about the, yes. uh, the cycling routes in, in Kerry. So tell us a little bit about the idea about the book and, and uh, what, what uh, our listeners can expect when they're going to purchase the book. Actually, the idea of the book is something that's been inside my head for a long time. Um, it. I guess when I go cycling, when I've gone cycling down through the years, I've always had a little bit of adventure and exploration in mind. You know, when you go out with a cycling club, oftentimes they pick four or five routes and it seems to be those four or five routes mm -hmm. for the year. So I can, um, anytime I go cycling, I purposefully try and plan out a route that's a little bit different if I can. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally love the, the mountains and uh, any opportunity for a climb. Yeah. And I think any uh, any cycle without a good climb in it is uh, it's hard to come home from. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's cheating. It's like cheating, right? Correct. Um, so actually, we started a website. I think back in two thousand and nine. Well, I started it myself, um, called kerrycycling.com. and I just started putting up a few routes there, places I like going, um, with kind of minimum detail and uh, just a map and some elevation profile things like that. Yep. It was more a hobby at the time. I wasn't really thinking about it too much. And uh, I think there about two years ago, a good buddy of mine in the chain gang, David Elton, came on board uh, to help me with that website. And the two of us are operating it now. We actually got approached by a publisher then in, uh, I think it was September of 2015, mm -hmm. and they're Collins Press in mm -hmm. Cork. Mm -hmm. And they have a fantastic series of walking guides, which are very popular mm -hmm. um, for people interested in hiking and walking. And they were looking to develop a series of cycling guides. Yeah. And they were looking for authors to do uh, a book in Kerry. Okay. So it didn't take much convincing on our part, really. We were very happy to do it. And we thought we had the knowledge and experience to share it with the public and thought it would be a good project. So the book is out since the 20th of March. It has uh, 31 routes in it, each route illustrated with maps, gradients, statistics, photos, and it's and also a guide uh, in terms of directions and things like that. But 
each route is kind of told in a story format as well so it's not just fact based yes you know so in other words it's like, it's like a proper book rather mm. than rather than like okay here's here's the here's the route it's yeah. it's it's not a collection of strava segments no and uh, which it's it's not exactly each route isn't a sales pitch but it, you know it's why would you want to do this route and we want to try and convince people that they should think about doing this route so all in all the book covers uh 2500 kilometers of road in Kerry which is quite a lot and you know we had that cycled uh, a lot between myself and Dave down through the years but we actually said when we were starting the book let's do them all again let's Mm -hmm. start from scratch let's plan out these 31 routes and let's cycle them Mm -hmm. and let's cycle them with fresh eyes and let's cycle them as if uh, we're cycling them for the first time and what's nice about them where's Mm -hmm. a nice place to stop where's a nice place to take photos things like that Um, awesome so we have a good geographical spread in the county and we've tried to take in the most from what we consider the most famous areas. But um, there's also a few hidden gems in there. So there's areas that I would have discovered myself that no one would have necessarily told me about. I know you'd be familiar with the climb at Bohernicluck, mm-hmm. Tommy and Onuskal Lake and places like that, which necessarily wouldn't be on a, a typical cycling agenda, I guess. Yeah. But they're places that I found very special. So there's a mix of um, the most popular routes and maybe uh, hidden gems, like I said. And we also take in some of the most famous climbs in the county, climbs like the Connor Pass, Balaka Bima, Balaka Sheen, Malls Gap and Kumanaspig. And uh, the last three routes in the book as well, we covered the three days of the Wild Atlantic Way starting in Tarbert and ending in Ardgroom. Oh, wow. So for 28 of the routes, there you start and finish in the same place. But the last three routes are obviously point to point to cover the entire length of the Wild Atlantic Way. I think it's over 400 kilometers of awesome. Wild Atlantic Way in Kerry. Yeah. And and for our listeners, I'm, I'm just looking at the book. There is a, a ton of absolutely fabulous photos. There are maps, elementary profiles, like you mentioned. So you have everything you would like to know about the route from the kind of cycling geeky point of view correct what's the grade what's the distance what's the time and you know all that thing uh, but there's also a, a lot of um, um, uh, like you said story and text and, and descriptions of what's what's happening and you can know what to expect um, so if you're a, if you're a fan of cycling and you want to go and, and see some beautiful sceneries uh, and you're just just wondering uh, where to go. That that book is a must because uh, you know. And I know that there's a lot of websites, you know, like Strava is the biggest one, or Indomoto and so on. But I'm telling you, you will not find anything like that in that book in in on Strava. Like you will find in that book because you have so much more to the story and to the to the route and and to to you know it's 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 just fantastic i have i have that book for the first time in my hands and i'm really blown away Uh, i'm glad you like it i i I like you know it i i can tell you right now that this this book will be you will will look pretty used after this season i hope so it 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 makes me want to jump on my bike right now you know i think um it covers every a lot of distance as well i think the shortest spin we have is 38 kilometer cycle actually around close to where we are now around tralee and phoenix and uh, banna beach and the longest we have is the aforementioned ringy Kerry, which is um 170 kilometers so everything in between to suit all abilities yes um so yeah. we're, we're pretty proud of it now i have to say uh, uh you you guys uh have something to be really proud of um like i said uh readers will find uh, like a quick guide how to use the book and some safety tips um and 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 everything in between that that you that you need about that so that's that's a really great piece of work and also a lot of that uh, you you mentioned is there your website, carrycycling correct? Yes. So um, obviously we're encouraging everybody just to go to the website and and look at the website and and, and see you know what what guys you have there. I remember I found that website some time ago. It's like oh this is this is Donica's website. Yeah. No. So it was more of a pet project at the start. Um, like I said, I like exploring, going different places. So uh, I just set it up. Not necessarily on a whim, but I just said where mm-hmm. it would go. 
think it's fair to say that uh, the website has been neglected for the past 12 months as we've been putting everything into the book so yeah, you've been busy we've been very busy but um we'll be working on it continuously over the foreseeable future to include even more routes um mm-hmm. news from the carry cycling scene events That's um awesome. yeah you have a you have an event going on in a in a bookshop uh, next week. Correct. Uh, so the book is available at the moment for sale, but we're having our official launch on Friday the seventh of April at six p.m. in O'Mahony's bookshop in Castle Street, Tralee. So everybody's welcome. Mm-hmm. And I hope to see everyone there. Absolutely, guys, um, get your stuff in there and and go and see it. Listen, what's your favorite uh, route in that book? Jeez, I <laughs> Actually, I um, I predicted that question. Oh, yeah, that's, I've that's been pretty thinking predictable about question, right? The, the, we starting <laughs> with how it all started, and then finally, you know. But you know, the, uh, not to be smart, but I was thinking to myself, you know, it's like asking me which of my fingers is my favorite. You know, as if I had to had to lose one. Um, if yeah. someone asked me that, um, it depends on mood. But um, I have to say there's something extremely special about the Gap of Dunlow mm-hmm. um, and Black Valley. Yeah. Um, so it's it feels like it's very remote, even though technically it's not. You're never more than 20 kilometers away from, mm-hmm. air quotes, civilization. Um, but you're in a place with very little traffic, mm-hmm. incredible scenery, uh, excellent places to have coffee stops. Um and a beautiful descent at the finish back into Killarney overlooking the lakes. Hey, it's incredible. Descent. They're nothing like a good descent. Have you done the, the Gap of Dunlow? Yes, I did. Yeah, yes, I did. it's incredible. Yes. Um, but I like all of them in different ways, I have to say. But if I did have to pick and if you said, come on, let's go for a spin tomorrow. Where mm-hmm. are we going? Mm-hmm. Gap of Dunlow. And actually, if I had any visitor um, from abroad or anything like that, um, which I've done before, and they said, take me for a spin. Where are we going to go? It's mm-hmm. always been the Gap of Dunlow. Right, right. So, so it's very the, special. So here's the tip, which, which one go first. And yes. Right, what's next for you? Uh, well, the cycling season is starting. So um, getting on the bike is uh, is probably what's next. Like I said before, I want to put a bit of effort into our website as well, just to think it just needs a little bit of work. Um, and just to promote cycling in the county as much as I can because I think it's a beautiful place for cycling uh people give out about road quality roads and stuff a lot but you know actually it's just part of a challenge it's part of it and I don't mind it at all and you know it's interesting I'm I'm cycling with people sometimes that have very expensive bikes mm-hmm. and they're nearly so expensive that they're afraid to take them out they don't want them to get dirty <laughs> if it's raining <laughs> and they don't want to ride over a bit of rough terrain so you know, you have to treat yourself to a good bike, I would say, and why not? But make sure it's at a standard where you're happy. That's absolutely. That's taking ab- it out over the roads. And, you know, if a road is a bit rough, relax your arms a little bit on the handlebars and sit back and just take it for, for what it's worth. That's, a, that's absolutely the, 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 the huge point. Um, and, and I have a, like a two, two separate observations on that, that um first of all when when you when when i was choosing the bike you know i i was trying to get a good bike and then uh my friends were like you know don't, don't get that you know you you you, you don't want to get it you know dirty and wet and so on and my thinking always was like yeah i want to get a good bike so it mm. can endure and withstand mm. and work in the bad conditions yes that's why you want a better bike yes you know so it can actually do their job so that was one thing and and secondly I know uh, in, in the cycling club one of one of the one of the guys bought the bike uh, road bike with the disc brakes and mm. I saw it like oh it's awesome because obviously disc brakes uh, are giving you much more modulation and they work much better in the wet and you know mm-hmm. overall in in especially in the winter time and then when it's raining they're much better performing brake than the rim brakes and I was so surprised when when he was cycling on that bike in the summer in the good weather. And then when the winter rolled in and you, he would really take the benefit of that, he took like his old bike. It's like, no, 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 you know, it's like, a, you know, this, it's harder on this one. I'm training and so on. Like, it's like, yeah, I would like to do the opposite. But, you know, these hobbies as well, and it's a good point to make. You see, if you join a cycling club, you'll, you'll notice the amount of expense people have gone to. And it's probably similar for golf and, and things like that. To start cycling, you just need a bike and a helmet, uh, a bike in good condition a helmet that's less than five years old. Actually, I learned that recently that mm-hmm. there's a date stamp on the inside of a helmet. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think they have a five year. Um, yeah. I have three. Yeah. Okay. So I'm on third year of my helmet. Okay. Um, it probably depends on the on the manufacturer. So to go out and enjoy a good cycle, that's all you need a bike and helmet. Well, and that's a, I suppose that's that's a that's a point that that stands for 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 anything in life that you know you can you can spend even even uh, before we started that podcast you know we were talking about equipment for recording it's mm -hmm. like yeah you can you can spend any amount of money on the mics and everything mm -hmm. to, to start and this is i suppose like you said the same for cycling but or you know we, we probably all know people as well who have decided to take up something new for whatever reason yeah. bought the most expensive they could afford yeah. and three weeks later said actually i don't know do i like cycling it's or whatever true. that much so start small build yeah. your way up um, oh, I started yeah. when I was young with uh, a mountain bike and uh, I was even going to races uh, on a mountain bike on, on road competing against guys that oh. were on <laughs> races on, in under 14 so that'll tell you I awesome. definitely started small um, but I think it's the only way to do it and it's people make a fuss about the equipment and uh, some cyclists have gotten a reputation for being kind of equipment snobs mm. or you must have this or you must it's have so that. common i think yeah. it, i think it's very common even if, if you're if you even if you take like an angling or, or hunting community mm. or, or you know especially an angling community is like you know the, the amount of time people are spending and debating about you know rods and reels and mm. you know all that and it's like literally thousands and thousands of euro goes into the equipment mm. and at the end of the day that doesn't catch a fish right you need to catch a fish and be in the right place in the right spot and use the right lure and the right technique yeah. and i suppose this is the same thing right that that no matter how expensive and and, and great your bike is mm. it won't put the watts on itself when you're cycling up the corner pass that's very true they say is it uh, is it the man or woman or is it the bike so yeah this is it this yeah. is it all right um donica thank you very much for for being on the podcast it's my privilege um tell tell our uh, maybe for for tell our listeners where where they can catch you and where they can uh leave the comments and and ask you questions if they need so i'm on twitter at the kerry cyclist and you can also catch me on kerrycycling.com Okay, and if you have any other comments, uh, leave them on uh, comment section of the podcast, whatever you're listening to that podcast, whether it's at iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or whatever else. Uh, thanks very much, Donaka, and I see you all next time. You just listened to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. I invite you to take a moment and listen to one of the most recent episodes. I'm sure you'll enjoy it.